Hello, I'm Jeremy Coleman, a barrister at Ten Old Square Chambers, and today I'm going to be looking at the recent decision of Peter Wilson and the Commissioners for HMRC, a decision of the First Tier Tribunal Tax Chambers, reached in March 2020 by Judge Tracy Bowler. And that case, amongst many other points, dealt with quite an interesting and important point of principle, namely whether you can be both an employee and a member of the same LLP at the same time. And that question has quite a lot of important knock-on ramifications in a whole host of other areas running through the area of LLP law in which I substantially practice. Now the decision of Wilson and HMRC reviewed and built on a significant volume of earlier authority including in particular the decision of Reinhardt and Ondra in which I appeared as counsel with my colleague Naomi Winston. Now I want to unpack this question with you in a little bit of detail but before I do that just a little bit of factual background. Mr Wilson joined the well-known firm of accountants Haynes Watts LLP in November 2011 and was registered at Companies House in October 2012 as a member. He left Haynes Watts at the end of March 2014 but the important question was that HMRC had taxed him as self-employed for the relevant period of time and he appealed that decision asserting that he should have been taxed as an employee and that led to this important question. Now it's fair to say that the decision in Wilson and HMRC also looks as you'd expect at quite a lot of fairly complicated tax points which I won't be troubling you with in this podcast but it does go into this question of whether you can be both an employee and a member of the same LLP at the same time in some useful detail, paragraphs 189 and following of the judgment. And it reviews, helpfully, the case law that had come before, and in particular, the decision in a case in which I appeared as counsel with my colleague Naomi Winston, at the decision in Reinhardt and Ondra, which looked as well at this important question. So I want to unpack that question through the lens of Wilson and HMRC. The first thing which is of interest to note is that the judge observed that it was important to have in mind that people could be treated differently for employment law purposes from the way that they were treated for tax law purposes. So in other words, one's tax status could be different from one's legal status. Now that observation, paragraph 189 of her judgment, is stark and important to bear well in mind. I think it also flows in many ways as well from the salaried member rules that the Revenue introduced some years back in this context, which also of necessity leads one to the conclusion that one's legal status could actually be different from one's tax status. So it's important to have that well in mind in this and in many other contexts, perhaps somewhat counterintuitive that one can have a different legal status from one's tax status. In any event, moving from there on to the substance of this podcast, can one in law be both a member and an employee of the same LLP? Now, one might think, objectively, that 
there might be no reason one might have in mind as to why one shouldn't be both a member and employee of the same LLP. An LLP, of course, as you'll all know, is a separate legal entity. It's a corporate entity. So why, one might ask oneself, can't you be employed by that separate legal entity like anybody else could be employed? Why should the LLP be able to employ everybody but not its own members? So the answer in many ways to why there is even a question and the complexity that emerges from this question comes from a very unfortunate section in the LLP Act 2000 and that section is section 4 subsection 4 which reads as follows a member of an LLP shall not be regarded for any purpose as employed by the LLP unless if he and the other members were partners in a partnership he would be regarded for that purpose as employed by the partnership. Now, why, you might ask yourself, is that section problematic? It's the final words of the section that poses the conundrum. So, unless he and the other members, if they were partners in a partnership, they would have been regarded for that purpose as employed by the partnership. Now, it's talking here, the section in the Act, about a traditional partnership, i.e. the sort of partnership that existed before LLPs and has for hundreds of years, defined in the 1890 Partnership Act, Section 1, when individuals carry on business together with a view to profit. And those individuals are involved in what's called a traditional or a general or an 1890 Act partnership, the sort of thing that a group of individuals working together in a corner shop carrying on business together in a corner shop or in a farm or in a professional services firm which has not chosen to become an LLP. All of those are examples of traditional partnerships. Now the well-established position in law as regards traditional partnerships is that you cannot be both a partner and an employee simultaneously in the same partnership. Now just pausing there for a moment, again it's important to have in mind that the name or label attached to the individual is not determinative of their status either. In other words, you can be badged as a partner or indeed badged as a member, but that does not necessarily determine your legal status, nor indeed does whether you're registered at company's house as a member determine that in law you actually are a member. So there are plenty of individuals, for example in traditional partnerships, who are held out as partners sometimes those are called salary partners but actually in law are not so in other words in law they are actually employees so the title attached the badge attached is not determinative but the position in traditional partnership law so the law of traditional partnerships has been for many years and it's been explored in particular in cases like Ellis and Ellis and Cowell and Quilter that you cannot be both a partner and an employee in the same traditional partnership and the reason for that is fairly clearly analysed and it is that the idea of a traditional partnership of course is that it is not a separate legal entity it's just a collection of individuals carrying on business together so although traditional partnerships are often referred to as firms and that of itself might lead one to think that they're a separate legal entity they are not a separate legal entity. They are just those individuals trading together. So the idea that you could be both a partner and an employee of the same traditional partnership would mean that you were effectively employing yourself. So if Mr Smith, Mr Brown and Ms Green were to join together in partnership, 
then the idea that they could employ Ms Green as well would mean that Ms Green was employing herself, a nonsensical concept. Also, of course, traditional partnerships in principle are a relationship of equals, mutual relationship, whereas employment is a hierarchical relationship. So for those key reasons, the law in the field of traditional partnerships is pretty well established in saying that you cannot be both a partner and an employee in the same partnership. And indeed, Judge Bowler in the Wilson case concludes at paragraph 191 that it's the accepted principle in English law that a partner in a partnership cannot be an employee of the partnership. So going back to section 4.4, the wording of that section poses the conundrum and problem that it seemingly means that if in order to be an employee of an LLP as well as a member of that LLP you would have to also have been an employee in a traditional partnership does that section therefore really mean that you could never be an employee and a member of the same LLP because you could never be a partner and an employee of a traditional partnership. Is that what the Act intends? Now, in a case of Tiffin and Lester Aldridge, the court had found what many people regarded as something of a workaround, the problem of the Act, and concluded that one asked oneself whether the individual would, if it had been a partnership, have been treated as a partner or regarded as a partner or as an employee, and that would then determine your status within the LLP, your legal status within the LLP. Along came, however, the decision of Lady Hale in an important case in the Supreme Court, Clyde and Co and Van Winkelhoff, which was a case about whistleblowing and worker status, but in the course of her analysis, she commented on the approach of the court in Tiffin and said that all that it, this is quoting from her judgment, all that it, i.e. section 4.4 was saying, is that, quotes, whatever the position would be were the LLP members to be partners in a traditional partnership, then that position is the same in an LLP. I would hold, therefore, that that is how section 4.4 is to be construed. So, Judge Bowler in Wilson analyses the law in a number of cases, including Clyde & Co. and indeed Reinhardt and & Andre. She also looks at another case called Altus, and in an, a helpful analysis reaches the conclusion that the authorities lead her to the view that as a matter of principle you cannot be both a member and an employee in the same LLP. Now I should observe also that she reaches the conclusion that the comments of or statements of Lady Hale in the decision of Clyde and Co on this point were strictly obiter dicta. In other words, she takes the view that they did not form part of the ratio, but the reasoning of the decision of the judge in Clyde and Co. It's interesting to note that that is not the view that Mr Justice Warren reached in the second judgment in the Reinhardt and Andre case. He came to the view that this aspect of her reasoning, uh, i.e. the reasoning on section 4.4, was part of Lady Hale's reasoning and was not of a dicta and that therefore he was bound by it. But in any event, Judge Bowler in the Wilson case came to view that she should follow that line of thought and that analysis in any event. So where we reach to, uh, putting the strands together then, is that this case of Wilson and HMRC is a very useful review of the relevant case law 
on this important question and comes to the firm and compelling conclusion that you cannot be both a member and an employee of the same LLP at the same time. So in law, one has to decide, is the individual a member or is the individual an employee of the LLP in law, but you cannot be both uh, simultaneously in the same LLP. And I think that that decision is well worth a read, in particular that section of the decision. And I hope this podcast summarising it and the important points of law in this regard has been of interest and assistance. Thank you for listening. Thank you.